Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. Coming back at you with an extra episode this week to talk about the thrills and spills of deadline day. Four players through the door for Fulham. Daniel James on loan from Leeds. Carlos Vinicius from Benfica. We saw Willian come through the door eventually. We thought that one might be dead in the water given the fact that he's been kicking around for the best part of a month. Uh, but he eventually signed on the dotted line yesterday and live in Kazawa from PSG, completing the magic quadruple. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today. And joining me is Adam Farkarson. How you doing, my friend? All good, thanks. How are you, Jack? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. Not too bad. It was a, a long and, and, and well, a kind of st- stressful to a point deadline day. It wasn't a deal sheet deadline day as we normally get with Fulham, but uh, nonetheless, it was uh, one that went over the line. Daniel James announced near to midnight. And you're like, what are you doing? If you're not getting, yeah. a, if you're not getting a deal sheet, you know, we're just taking loads of photos. Um, but eventually they all got there. And of course, Mr. Dominic Betts. How you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Very hectic deadline day, but uh, I think we always knew we were going to be getting quite a few numbers through the door. It was just going to be see if we could, uh, who those numbers would be. But because uh, obviously with Willian, you know, it doesn't need to be done yesterday, really, being a free transfer. But yeah, there was no really, no, hopefully there was no sort of out of the blue surprises yesterday. I think we were pretty much aware of the players who would be coming through the door. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it was a busy deadline day. For, for Fulham, it's a busy deadline day for you and I as well on our separate bits and bobs. You were in recording late, so I'm glad you've made it up for this one. It was a, a late shift for you over at TalkSport. Yeah, it was always, it's always a late shift on deadline day. I feel like me and my colleague Ryan, we just seem to be, I don't know how, we always end up being the ones who do every single deadline day show. But no, always nice working with Jim White on deadline day, so I can't complain. They are. They're the iconic moments you look for, mate. They're the iconic moments you look for. Right, we're going to discuss all four transfers over the course of this show and take a little look at the window as a whole. Uh, We'll go in reverse order, shall we? And let's start with Daniel James, who was the last through the door AF. Um, But it's one of those ones we're looking at it and going, is this going to get done? Because... Leeds had enough drama going on yesterday with the whole Bombardier saga that played out. And one of the most amusing things I've seen in a deadline day in a while, to be fair, the Bombardier stuff. Um, but eventually, Dan James didn't get Dan James and uh, he was allowed <laughs> to actually make a deadline day move. It would have been incredibly Fulhamish, wouldn't it, if because of the DN saga that Fulham was actually the club that ended up missing out on this. And Dan James ends up sitting, taking a load of photos at Craven Cottage and then going for a nice trip back to Leeds. It would have been very full of much for that. At least he's got experience, right, in in doing that on deadline day. (laughs) Exactly. At least he's been there before. I'm actually, I feel quite sorry for the guy because uh, I'm going to talk a lot about Premier experience. It's great that we've gone through the door because he's got experience in the Premier League. He's also got extensive experience at uh, transfer deadline day. So um, I'm glad that we've been able to add that to our ranks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dom, happy enough with this one? It's, I don't think it's, it's one of those transfers that's going to set the world on fire. But equally, a player that's come in here with Premier League experience at both Manchester United and Leeds United, who has played relatively out of position, I think, for quite a long time of his, his time in Leeds. Um, and he just doesn't seem to quite fit them. But he brings a lot of qualities that Silver, I think, will like. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, I, I wasn't too confident or sure on it being a permanent deal when the f- rumoured fees of like 15, 20 million were banded about. But 
on a season-long loan. I mean, there was rumours of the loan fee being expensive, but I don't think those are really confirmed by anyone. But yes, great signing. We have such lack of attacking options to bring off the bench. And, you know, especially in the Premier League experience, what we've asked for. In previous seasons, we sort of dipped in to the European market often, and you, you don't know what you're getting with there. We know what you're going to get with Dan James. You're going to get someone who's rapid. You're going to get someone who's going to be taking players on, which will suit the, the, the way our wide players play and have been playing this season specifically with sort of a more direct style of play. So I think it's a good signing. I think we needed to get more bodies in, and especially in the wide areas, just because of the injuries to Manor Solomon and Harry Wilson. I think if both of those had been fit, I don't think we would have seen both of these wingers come through the door and Willian and Dan James, but I'm happy with the signing. You could tell by the response of the Leeds fans um, when when he left that they were like, why have we let him go? I know they got end, end up getting someone through the door later on than we did, but still, still for Leeds United, it's it, you can usually tell by the response of an opposition team's fans how how important a transfer is, and I think this is an important one, especially with those injuries we've seen. And you know, Cabana and Bobby Reid have done a great job so far, but you know, out wide we've just had them, we've had to play like Jay Stansfield out wide in one game when. Cabano was injured. So no, I'm happy with the transfer and then to see what you can do in a Fulham shirt. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's one of those where, you know, AF, the, the announcement from Fulham, excellent. Enjoy, enjoyed that a lot. The uh, the play on the old Leeds United tweet. Um, but everyone was, you know, kind of expecting, I think, this to to eventually go through. We had we had a little bit of a wobble, but but good. I wanted to, to kind of read something out because this is one of my favourite messages we've got in a while. And it's from one of my favourite podcast listeners, a guy called Joe Craven, who's actually a Leeds fan who just really likes the pod and so <laughs> listens every week. Um, and I remember getting a message years back and be like, have we turned you yet, mate? And he's like, no, I'm Leeds through and through, but um, I've just got a real soft spot for Fulham and love the pod. But thank you to Joe for sending us this, this in. He said, hello, guys. That was a Leeds fan and avid pod listener. I try and give some insight into Dan James as it seems he's heading to you fine folks. In general, he's a good Premier League player. A lot of his time at Leeds, mainly because of our injuries and small squad last season, he was stuck as a striker and it never really worked. He didn't have the positional nous or the hold-up play that we need. Did. His best performances have come off the wing, either wing, uh, and his pace is absolutely electric. I'm surprised we're letting him go given how well he presses and the fact he can just run and run for 90 minutes. But it seems Marsh doesn't like him as much as Bielsa did. In terms of weaknesses, his brain doesn't always keep up with his feet and some of the time he wastes good chances and positions as a result. Having said that, running in behind he is definite threat and off the shoulder of Mitrovic, I can see him being a handful. Don't expect bags of goals and assists, but expect a lot of pace, pressing and energy. A lot of Leeds fans seem frustrated he's not hanging around as a squad option, but apparently he's very keen to play before the World Cup, because that makes sense. Uh, given your injury issues with wingers, I think he's a great signing. It will serve your counter-attacking style well. Hope that helps. Thank you to Joe Craven for that. Um, but yeah, pretty much... What we're saying here, AF, it, it, that is very Silver-esque, that kind of ability to to drive, to press, to hassle and harry and to keep it going for 90 minutes, you know, as Joe says, is a massive addition in terms of what we can offer, especially late on in games. Absolutely. I mean, if we, if we look at our wingers at the minute, uh, I would say that it's it's great to be able to say to them from the offset, absolutely run, press like no one's business, but they know that they've probably got to last closer to 90 minutes. Whereas if you know that you've only really got to last to the 60 minute mark and you know you're going to get replaced, it's much easier to actually give your all. Uh, I think with Dan James, it'll be interesting to see where he's actually deployed. I assume that'll be on the left wing, you know, mixing up with Cabano. That's where his strongest position has been historically. The good thing at Fulham is he's not going to be considered as a striker. He's not going to be played largely out of position. So where people have seen his best performances come from should be where we get to see him shine for Fulham. Um, also, hearing from 
the stories around the Leeds fans that, yeah, he runs a lot, but he doesn't have a lot of end products. That sounds like the majority of our wingers, so it'll fit right in. <laughs> He's going to be very comfortable. Um, Don, we did saw that last bit on, on, on Dan James, and we will move on to the rest of these signings. But we saw that flick off Mitrovic for someone to run on to it last season as a massive, massive weapon in Silva's attacking armory. It was something we praised in terms of Mitrovic developing his all-round game, becoming more of a creator as well as just a, you know a goal-scoring threat. Um, but I think that that probably plays in well here. We saw Harry Wilson getting in behind. We saw Fabio Carvalho getting in behind on numerous occasions on those spins. I'd imagine that's what Silva sees here in, in Dan James as, as an attacking weapon. Especially, especially, especially as someone who was sort of playing through the middle last season. You know, even when we're, we're adapting to sort of different situations, if you need to play, not necessarily two up top, but sometimes last season when Carvalho was a lot closer to Mitrovic and necessarily sitting in the attacking midfield position. I think Dan James is someone you could play could play in that position if you had, like, let's say, you could have Cabana and Bobby Reid out wide, but you could have sort of Wilson, uh, James, he might, if he didn't start, for example, he might have come on for Pereira or something and then play sort of right next to him. But I said, for those knock-ons, he's definitely, he's definitely going to be sort of perfect because he's definitely someone who's going to be running in and around Mitrovic and running, and running down the lines to get balls into the box to him as well. Yeah, absolutely. A nice bit of pace injection for Fulham right at the last. Uh, let's come on to our new striker. Carlos Vinicius joined for around €5 million, Euros, it's reported, uh, from Benfica. Cut, lo- cut short his loan at PSV. We've seen some interesting takes. Half of the people reporting that he signed for Fulham for- from PSG. Um, uh, but it's, uh, I believe it's a, a deal straight to- from Benfica. Now, this is a player who went to Spurs on loan. And the release clauses around him were, were kind of in the 40 million euro mark. Um, back in January, Benfica were quoting Wolves 25 odd million for Carlos Vinicius. Now, obviously, the January market is inflated, so you take everything with a pinch of salt. But there is an element here that Fulham look like we've got ourselves a bit of a steal AF. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, looking at his strike rate, you know, around one goal every two games for Benfica, I can see why. You know they were quoting such high figures for him. Maybe he didn't do quite so well in his his games at PSV, but you know maybe that was one every four. But he, he did pretty well for Spurs as well. So I don't really see why the fee has dropped quite so significantly. We do seem like we've got ourselves a bit of a steal, and actually I, I think he's probably the perfect player that we need because you're not going you're not going to get the very top level striker to come in at Fulham because they're going to be competing with Alexander Mitrovic. They know that they've got to have a little bit more about them than just being a number nine. I actually feel that Vinicius could be great to to bring on in games, especially, again, we seem to be bringing on everyone for Pereira, but starting him as, as that kind of second striker role um, because he's really going to complement what we already have. Decent striking uh, ability and Premier League experience. It's just a perfect signing for us. Yeah, I mean, Dom, that loan at Spurs didn't go all that well but he played back up to Harry Kane he did okay in the Europa League campaign across that that, that course of that season and uh, and famously scored a hat-trick and, and dropped the Mbappe celebration against Marine uh, in the cup which is quite something maybe one of my favorite things ever to be perfectly honest with you uh, Don, my kind of thoughts on this were I wanted a slightly different profile of striker for this side and the links to Malpe I thought were interesting you know, back when they came up, because it would have offered us something different going two up, two up top in games if we were needing to chase them. That's not something we've seen from Fulham already this season. Um, but equally, it, it is something that we we saw quite a lot of last season when Mitrovic and Mooney's were up top together, and we basically saw that 
fall a little bit flat in, in most games because they were trying to do the same things. Is there a worry that that is the case? Or is this a positive in that Marco Silva knows what type of striker he wants in terms of profile and he wants one that can slot in should anything happen to Alexander Mitrovic in the way that Munich did against Stoke, obviously, um, so that there's a little bit of depth in there rather than necessarily worrying about having different profiles to complement each other? Yeah, I think so. I think Marco Silva, even if you look at Muniz, I think Marco Silva knows what sort of type of striker he wants in his system. I don't think he's looking for another type of striker. I think from the outside, we probably would have liked a different type of striker, as you mentioned, in more pay. But I think an interesting with Vinicius last season at PSV, actually, is although people look at his goal count, I think he only got six goals. He also got six assists last season. So he's definitely someone who's there, who's, who's there to create chances for his teammates as well. And I think that's what... Silver likes him as striker as well. It's just, yes, Mitrovic gets all the goals, but they link up play with the, with the other attacking players around him. And I think, you know, if you really need a different option up front, there's no reason why Dan James can't play up there, as I mentioned. We just said we can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but I think, yeah, I think Marcus Silva, when it comes to striker, just knows what he um knows knows what he wants. And I think Carlos Vinicius, for, especially for the fee, was it 4.5, 5 million pounds, whatever it was, is a, is, a, is a great bargain to be had, especially in sort of the market that is transfer deadline day. So, yeah, I think, you know, for PSV last season, obviously they won the um, the Dutch Cup. They got six goals and six assists for them. So, he's, and he's not going to be playing every single game for us. I think, yeah, you know, he played sort of 25, 26 for Eindhoven last season. So, I a think... A lot yeah, off the bench as well. Yeah, He was exactly. very much not their starting Yeah, player, yeah, though. exactly. And I think, yeah, I think it's perfectly good backup signing. Yes, we might have liked some of slightly different profile, but I think with the sort of lateness of the transfer and the fee touted and sort of what we're now going to get for him, I think you can't really complain with this signing. Yeah, no, I think that's completely fair enough. Um, and, and also, I suppose, AF, and we've just talked about the, the idea of not being able to get a, a backup in for Alexander Mitrovic in, in some ways. This is this is interesting to me, at the very least, because the way that it kind of pans out at, at Spurs is he was on the bench playing as a backup to Harry Kane. Now, he came on when he was needed, and he did all right. It wasn't, he wasn't setting the world on fire. He was also kind of happy to play in that role. He's kind of done that at PSV as well. He did that a bit at Benfica, to be honest, before he broke through. This is a player who's used to playing as a kind of understudy. Now, obviously, he'll want to make his mark. This isn't to kind of depreciate from his abilities or his quality. But there is something also to be said about the fact that this is a player who knows how to work in a system where they're not necessarily the first choice and how to make sure that they're not you know, letting their head go down, that they're ready when you know they need to be called upon. And I think that's just as important considering the form that Mitrovic is in and the fact that he is going to start the majority, the vast majority, in fact, of Fulham games when he's fit. There's, there's definitely something to be said for the mentality of players that are happy to be an understudy for a bigger player. That's that's not a problem that we've got one of those in. If anything, Fulham have always had the problem where we've got any egos that are always expecting to start every single game, walk into a team, and we've got a player that's probably happy to not do that. I also think that having that experience of deputising for Harry Kane and also, as you say, in some of his um, experience at Eindhoven as well, he's actually been able to come on and influence games fairly quickly. And that's where I think we've struggled with the likes of Muniz because he actually probably needed a run of games to be able to get his confidence up. I think Vinicius can come in and kind of hit the ground running a little bit more because in the Premier League, you you will only get two, three chances maximum probably in, in an entire game. So when you come on as a sub, you really need to be ready to said hit that ground running. I think the only problem is I've seen a lot of Spurs fans saying that they could see the frustration from uh, Vinicius that he was stuck behind Harry Kane that he wasn't really getting that run of games 
and hopefully, you know, there is no in- injuries to Mitrovic, but I just hope that it doesn't um, result in him being in any way frustrated in what could be, uh, you know, a, a tough season for us. Yeah, no, I think that's probably fair enough. But I think he will get minutes and I think he will be, be given opportunities. There's there's also the element, Dom, and we talked about kind of protecting players. The injury list is already quite extensive, uh, as we talked about in the last one. The last thing that Fulham can afford is for an Alexander Mitrovic or a Joao Polini, but we'll come on to that, um, to be injured at this point because they are such linchpins of this team. And that means looking after them, looking after their minutes in a World Cup season where... You know, Alexander Mitrovic is going to head off to Qatar to play for Serbia, where he is going to be, you'd imagine, the leading man once again. And you're you're looking at that going, OK, if, if anything happens to Mitrovic, we're in trouble. So therefore, you've got to protect him a little bit. So bringing, having someone who can bring on in a similar kind of style of play, a similar facet, if there are games where we're, we're, we're kind of looking to look after him a little bit, is, is a bonus. Yeah, I think it has to be a bonus. And, you know, looking at Serbia's group, it's definitely a group that they can get out of with Brazil, Cameroon and Switzerland, I think it is. So it's like he, Mitrovic and Mitrovic, you know, you, everyone knows how much he loves playing for Serbia. So that's definitely going to be one of the more important things on his mind in the football calendar this year. So, yeah, I think having someone like Carlos Vinicius to sort of help balance Mitrovic's minutes because, you know, he's had to be playing 90 minutes every single game. And we're not saying, oh, like, we'll start Vinicius here and there, but there might be times where, oh, Mitrovic might be having an off day or we can we just bring, bring Vinicius on and he can sort of... It, it, but it is because with all, with all these games, thankfully we're at the League Cup because... Um, you know, having another round of that, I think if I, I look to win the fourth round of the League Cup is, and it's a joke, it's like two days after the World Cup final or something crazy like that. Um, but yeah, thankfully, thankfully we're out of that, so we'd have to deal with that. And obviously, and obviously, so we've just got the league games to deal with, but obviously, there are midweek games to deal with. And you know, Mitrovic will want to be as fit as he can going into that World Cup, so it's about managing his minutes, as we've said. So yeah, I don't really think there's any too many negatives really about this signing, bar maybe even being the same side of strike with Mitrovic, but apart from that, I don't think we can really complain. We've asked for a backup striker. We knew we'd get one in, especially with loading up Muniz to Middlesbrough. So, yeah, all round, I think, yeah, I think this is going to be a very useful signing for us, if anything. Yeah, good business. Good business, a very reasonable fee uh, and a player who comes with some pedigree uh, at the very least. So Fulham have done 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 well uh, as far as I'm concerned on the Carlos Vinicius front. Uh, right, we are going to take a quick break, but afterwards we're going to be talking about Willian and Livin Kazawa. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. I'm Jack Collins and I'm joined by Adam Farkasson. How you doing, mate? Yeah, all good, thanks. And Dominic Betts. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. Um, excellent. Right, that's two down, two to go. This is what happens when you get good business done on deadline day. But I'd say that these two next signings are the ones that have split opinion a little bit more. We signed Willian on a free transfer after he cancelled his contract with Corinthians uh, and Livin Kazawa from PSG, who is a left-back. We'll start with Willian. He's been training AF with this side for what feels like the best part of a month. It probably isn't actually quite that. It's probably about two weeks, um, but it's felt like forever. And people were going, right, is he signing? Is he not signing? You know, last week on the pod, Stephen put out a very sensible at the time point, I thought, though, that was if he was going to sign, why wouldn't we have signed him before the Arsenal slash Brighton games when we were in dire need of it? But alas, it's taken this far to get over the line. Um, we've brought in a player with real Premier League experience, um, but one who did struggle the last time that he was in the league. Is this a good or a bad deal for Fulham? I think we have to take this deal 
in with the the rest of the context that we also got Dan James. If this was just Willian on his own as the winger that came in to save our season, I would be fairly concerned. As it stands, I'd probably rate this transfer about a 6 out of 10. Reason being is because let's look at the bench from our last game, um, specifically the attacking options. We've got Harris, Adelaide and Stanfield. Now, if we were to say that we are going to replace one of those with Willian and one of those with Dan James, we'd be pretty happy with that. It is an upgrade based upon what we had on the bench previously. Then we look at his last stint in the Premier League and we could say that was... <laughs> A confusing way to to you know exit the Premier League. He goes back to Corinthians, uh, an inferior league to the Premier League, tears up his contract, and then trains with Fulham. Now, Marco Silva must have seen something in the last couple of weeks. Maybe he he already set himself saying it's I'm going to have to see two four weeks of this player before we invest any kind of actual money in him. And he must have seen something. And at this point in time, I'm just willing to trust Silva that if he was to see anybody, even if he saw Andre Schurder and thought he was any good, I'd probably trust Silva on it. I see a lot of people comparing this to actually the Andre Schurler signing. I think it's a little bit different because oh, yeah. I think had Schurler been given a trial at Fulham, he probably wouldn't have um, you know, been picked up by us. So I just have to trust Silver on this one. I think there's some really good signs. In fact, he's another Portuguese, you know, obviously speaking the language, which means that he can he can slot in with a lot of the rest of the team in, in that respect. He's got the Prem experience. He's a good set-piece taker. So, you know, if we are chasing games as well, uh, yes, you've got Andreas Pereira, but being able to bring on another great set-piece taker, we've lost a good one in uh, Jean-Michel Serri. I think that is, that's great if we just take out the fact that he is getting on a bit, not committed long-term, and has some commitment issues. Yeah. I mean, Dom, where are you on this? Uh, with, uh, see, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm for it, but I wasn't necessarily when I was against it. Especially, I think the key thing for me was just the injuries to Harry Wilson and Manor Solomon. I think we just needed to get bodies in out wide. And if Willian's one of them, then great. AF mentioned it. If William was the only one, you thought you'd have probably have more of an issue. But can we got Dan James in as well? I think because we weren't linked to Dan James sort of too long. Everyone's like, is William just going to be the only wide option we're signing? But I think with both of them, I'm happy with it. I think year contract's fine. We'll see. We, we'll see how he does. You know, he, he's got, as you said, that Premier League experience. You know, he's, he's, he, he's, he knows he's, he's not like bedding into and trying to get used to a new area. He knows the area really well, obviously, during his time at Stanford Bridge. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, th- I think that it's it's an okay deal and it's a deal that, you know, I'm, I haven't got an issue with. Again, like AF, probably a six, six and a half out of ten. But it, as you said, if you look at our attacking options off the bench previously, it, we did need to bring bodies in. And if one of those bodies in is Willian, which we have done, I'm absolutely fine with that. And we'll just, it's just and I think it is time just to trust Silva because, you know, what Silva's done so far has been phenomenal. So I think you've just got to trust his judgment and then see how he plays. Yeah, I think that's fine. Oh, and obviously, if, if he's in the squad on Saturday and he's playing Spurs, you know his uh, his um his experience with Tottenham Hotspur Football Club might be quite interesting. If you end up scoring a winner. Oh yeah, is it Carlos Vinicius of a Willian cross? Everyone's <laughs> going absolutely <laughs> mental, aren't they? Everyone's having a real moment. And look, uh, Silva's been talking as we've been recording, and he's said, you know, we've we had some bad luck with injuries. Uh, we thought that Solomon and Wilson were going to be really important. We didn't expect this, so therefore we had to look for two. Willian was a good opportunity in the market. He was free, but he adds quality. He can add good things. Now rumours are AF that he's not on a particularly high contract. He's delighted to be back in London and he's willing to be, you know, kind of part of a squad as opposed to being kind of relied upon for the main man. 
they're the positives. Um, the negatives coming back from Brazil, and I saw a lot of sentiment from the Corinthians fans yesterday who were incredibly unhappy with Willian and his return to what I suppose would be considered his boyhood club. Um, this was meant to be a homecoming, and there was like he didn't play with heart, he didn't play, you know, with, with for the for the badge, and he ran away from big games, he pretended he was injured. There was a lot of pretty damning indictments on there. <laughs> There is an element of this where I wonder if he was just like, oh, God, this is not what I expected it to be. Um, and I feel like Fulham have probably set out quite a clear picture of what we're expecting from him this season, which is probably not all that much involvement, but we expect him to be fit and firing when when he is ready. Um, but but he has basically come in as a cover option. I think he, he was at the stage in his career when he probably wanted to wind down and he went into a pressure cooker situation where he wasn't really up to it. And I think he knew that as well. So I think that was one of the reasons for his exit. We also know that his family were suffering some horrible abuse at at some of his performances as well, which is if you're looking for a way out of that situation, I can't think of many better places to end up than a family club like Fulham Um, because it, it is a nice place for him to be able to go back to a comfort zone. If we can keep him happy off the pitch, again, maybe it's a, a lower style contract in terms of wages. That's a good thing for us happy player that's happy to be around the squad that we can bring on for some Premier League experience. It's a good thing for everyone. But the only thing, again, that concerns me, it's like it did with the Vinicius situation. I hope that history doesn't repeat itself and he doesn't get frustrated at Fulham as well. When he does come on, if he shows completely dreadful performances, we don't have to persist with him because we've got other options available. If he was our only um, wing, winger option to actually be able to bring on, I'd be concerned because we'd be relying on him again. Yeah, no, I think that's that's fair enough. Um, two final things on William before we move on, Dom. Uh, one is from Hugh Wilson, and I thought this was excellent. He said, love your work, boys. I was listening to Fulhamish a couple of weeks back, Ari William, and thought I'd send over a snippet of information. He used to live around 100 yards from the cottage on Donneral Street, first door on the left from walking from Craven Cottage. A couple of years ago when I worked at Fulham, following the Saudi Super Cup match, loads of local issues with rubbish, we did a free ticket drop at local houses for a Rotherham-Burton game in the weeks following. Had to knock on doors, say sorry, give them tickets. Not only was it awkward when Willian opened the door and rejected the tickets, seven, eight doors later, the same thing happened with Oscar. Let's hope Willian always had love for Fulham living so close. Thank you for sending that in, Hugh. That, that really did make me smile. Um, the other thing is that Arsenal fans will recall Tom, that Willian only ever had one good performance in an Arsenal shirt and it cra- came at Craven Cottage. Maybe he just really, really likes the place. Yeah, maybe he just, loved, maybe he just loves Craven Cottage. I think I knew he lived nearby because I think I've one of my mates used to live, used to live in one of the Alfred Rose. I know it was the same one, but I knew it was he. He said he used to always see Willian and Oscar nearby. Um, I think Anguissa used to live actually down the right at the end of Stevenage Road, right before you get up to up towards Hammersmith and stuff. But yeah, no, I think if he's, is he moving back there? I mean, has he still got that house? Is he gonna? But then Do to you be sell fair, houses when you're a footballer and you yeah, earn loads of I don't know. Yeah, but then to be fair, he's going got to get Craven Cottage all the way to Mossbow Park, <laughs> and, and then then and then all the way back, back. Then all the way back up the A3 again. So and if he's the A3, just going to demand to train on the pitch yeah. at the cottage. And if, and if, like, if, the, no, A3, if the A3 is like what it was um, the other night against Brighton, I don't think he will, he will want to do that. But no, I think. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's that's. I remember that happening when they had, we had to offer tickets free for the Rotherham Burton game to, to 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 local residents. But it is, I mean, to be fair, they couldn't. They were probably playing someone else, I imagine, on that Saturday. So that's probably why he rejected it. But no, it is it's interesting. He used to live actually so close to Graham Cottage on one of those Alphabet roads, and you know, hope you might just see him after a game, just sort of walking home. 
Yeah, just like, just literally, he's like, just please move. I need to cross the road. Everyone's like <laughs> mobbing him. He's hardly, uh, he's hardly not easy to spot, is he? He's um, quite, quite the character and quite the profile. Um, Okie dokie, let's move on to number four. Uh, Live in Kazawa, brought in on loan from Paris Saint Germain. Again, one that seems to have split opinion a little bit, AF. No, there's no doubt that Lavin Kazawa was a very, very, very good football player at one point. Um, now, that's not to say that he isn't anymore. Uh, it's just that we haven't seen it for quite some time. He didn't play. It's, he's you know, barely played for PSG since Nuno Mensch joined um, from, from Sporting. He also basically was ousted from that team by Juan Bernat, who was a good player as well, to be fair. But we haven't seen all that much of Kazawa for about, I would say, a year and a half, the best part of two years. Now, whether Fulham believe that we can, you know, rehabilitate some of these players, and famously, Fulham were a club that were good at this, right? A while back, players would come in with, with slightly tarnished reputations and restore those reputations. So I suppose that what, what we're looking for here is, can we give that a go as well on this one? And, and Kazawa seems to be relatively happy to be here. I mean, he would be happy to be here to get out of that situation. I think, first of all, let's look at PSG. They're not exactly in the best state of a club at this point in time. They haven't got a good track record of keeping good players playing well, um, which is a concern. But players seem to go a little bit downhill when they go there. He, he's had nine minutes of football in the last 12 months. We can't get around the fact that is a concern. If I don't think he's going to, you know, he's not, he's not going to walk into the Fulham team. He's not expected to walk into the Fulham team. I think he's he's going to be a bit more of a slow burner. I wouldn't be expected to see him for a month or two, maybe a couple of sub, sub appearances would be my guess, maybe, because we're going to have to get him up to speed again. He's not really committed long term to us, but also that means it gives him something to fight for. If you gave him a two, three year contract, he might come here and never really get started. He's really got something to fight for, which is his reputation again. Um, given what Silver's actually managed to do with Anthony Robinson and he's got a track record of improving left backs. Still, jury might be out on that one. I'm seeing Dom's face. But it's, I know we were looking at the left back position and targeting it specifically. I don't see a problem with bringing in a player that's a bit of a project for Silver to try and improve and get him back to his old levels. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and look, Anthony Robinson has been exquisite so far in this Premier League season, Dom. So at the moment, the the shirt is very much his and it's his to lose. Kazawa coming in, pushing him and trying to get into the team is a good thing in that regard because we know that, you know, for better or for worse, Marco Silva didn't trust Joe Bryan. He, he didn't want him in his side. He was very much stuck on Anthony Robinson as his kind of only guy last season and this Pulled at halftime and Crawley, he's gone off to Nice. Enjoy the Riviera, Joe. You will always be a legend around these parts. Um, but it's, you know, someone who can come in now and, and Silva can actually be like, right, I'm going to push you here. You, the shirt is not guaranteed if you're not performing week in, week out. Yeah, I think it is, is Anthony Robinson's shirt to lose. It's been this weird sort of paradox where he's been somehow better in the Premier League than he has been in, in, in the Championship. But um, no, I think it's, good, it's a good signing. We know what he can do. He was he the only defender to score a hat trick in the Champions League? So, you know, we know we know what his ability is. We know he's good. Go, you know, we know what his ability is going forward. You don't get sort of 10, 15 caps for the France national team in the last sort of decade if you're, if you're not if you're not a good player because in the depth they've got. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good signing, but it's, I think the main concern is how long is it going to take him to get up to speed? We don't necessarily have a cup game. We can sort of give him minutes in with with the, with the loss to Crawley. So yeah, I'm very interested to see. How how soon he gets into maybe a match day squad? How soon he gets sort of 
moved in because but it was important for a decider left back. I think, you know, and I thought it would be one of those positions we should target straight away. But it's something that you he got Joe Bryan his loan move away to to, to Nice and um yeah now we got Lane Gazar in and I'm not so I'm again it's a bit like uh, the Willian transfer really here. I'm not I'm not I'm not against it. I'm not necessarily totally for it, but if it, if we can get him up to the the qualities that we know he has, so he had rate about six out of ten transfer, but if we can get him up to the quality we know he has, then I think it will be a good transfer for Fulham and give Anthony Robinson some healthy competition at left back. Yeah, I mean the other thing with that is that Robinson looks fit and firing at the moment and, and that's really good. He's he's also going to be going to the World Cup. Kazawa is not. Let's be frank about this. He very much isn't going to be going to the World Cup for France. And therefore, there is a period there where he can get, you know, back to that kind of level. You can imagine that there's going to be some respite for players at that point who aren't there. But you'd imagine they'd also be back in maybe two weeks into the World Cup and and, and working hard to get themselves up to speed. And that might be the opportunity that he needs, that kind of mini pre-season, inner season, if you will, to to get himself back to to match fitness, match sharpness and and really give Anthony Robinson a run for that spot once he's come back from a World Cup campaign. Because you'd imagine that some of those players are are going to be feeling it more than others. And Robinson is an all-action, high-octane player and I think that's probably a good thing. Uh, there are a few things about Kazawa, um, you know, some of the, the stories about him, you know, going out and partying and et cetera, when, when he was supposed to be training that slightly concern me. But if he's here with a point to prove, and it does sound like that from his first interviews, also really enjoyed the fact he said, I've watched every Fulham game this season. There's no way he has, is it? No like, way there's... he watched the nil-nil with Wolves. Like, no chance. <laughs> like... If he watched that as well and then thought, do you know where I'm going to end up <laughs> after that game? And he just went, that's the club for me. I think that maybe says more about the level that he's at at this point in time than anything yeah. else. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I imagine he would have maybe seen a couple of games and, and, and probably been impressed because Fulham have been good this year. Look, we, we said this, you know, maybe a week back on the pod. People will see how Fulham have started this campaign and think, oh, maybe I do want to be part of that project. Maybe that project looks like it's going somewhere. And, and perhaps that's, you know, this is, is proving the pudding of that in some ways. Not, I don't believe he's watched every Fulham game this season. Um, but I, I, can, I can buy the fact that he might have watched a couple of the bigger ones, the Liverpool game, the Arsenal game. And God, that side are competitive. They look like somewhere that I might like to be. Um, so we shall see. We shall see. Uh, right. That is all for part two. That is the awesome foursome all wrapped up. After the break, we're going to be taking a look at the window as a whole. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. This is part three. I'm Jack Collins and I'm joined by Don Betts and Adam Far Carson. We have looked at all the signings in a little bit of depth, uh, but I think it's probably time to kind of assess this window as a whole. 11 players brought through the door for Fulham. In fact, you can line them up into a relatively nifty squad. Burn Leto in goal, Levin Kazawa at left-back, Diop and Duffy at centre-half, Kevin and Babu playing on the, the right-back position. But Joao Polina, who would have to, you'd have to shift Pereira back into the eight a little bit to make this work. And then you've got Mana Solomon, Willian, Dan James and Carlos Vinicius. That's not a bad eleven. That's not a bad 11 by anyone's standards. It's a little bit light in midfield, perhaps. Um, but ultimately, that is a side that you'd imagine would give some teams a run for their money. Let's look at this as a whole. AF, are you pleased with where Fulham are right now on the, the day after deadline day? I think if if we had said at the start of the window, we're going to get 11 players in and we're going to cover every position, apart from 
you know, an eight. I think saying that we were going to cover every position, I think most Fulham fans would be happy with that one. 11 players through the door, can't really complain. They're all of decent quality as well. I don't see that we're bringing in too many players that we're saying they're, they're way below our quality that exists at the minute. If we were to take that squad and compare it to some of the previous Premier League squads that we've seen Fulham put out over the years, even just the transfers that we've brought in are an upgrade on that. So I think we've we've probably gone for a higher level of quality. I think, obviously, well, I know that Silver would have preferred if those players were in earlier. So I think if we rate the transfers themselves and the personnel that came in, I'd probably say it's, it's a pretty decent transfer window. The fact that a lot of them came in on transfer deadline day and towards the end is probably a little frustrating. Um, but we've done well enough with the points. So we've actually managed to get through that period. Now is really where those players, we see how long does it take for them to bed in, how long before they're ready to actually play minutes for Fulham. Uh, I think looking at the defence, um, I would probably, I would probably, if when we saw people like maybe Shane Duffy come in as well, I was a little bit concerned around his signing specifically. But I think, again, every player that we've brought in since then has gone, oh, don't worry, Shane Duffy's not the only one we're bringing in. We're bringing in Issa Diop. If we had just brought in Willian, I would have been concerned, but we bring in Dan James as well. So we're consistently adding to that quality to mean we're not relying on just one or two key signings. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Dom? Yeah, I think overall I'm happy with the transfer window so far. And I think I, I think the most, a lot of the time, what we what we have done, as we spoke about in previous years, is we sort of just sign these signings and just force them into starting eleven. which you haven't really done this year. If you look at the signings who've made an impact, obviously you've got Bert Leno in goal, but if you look at... Um, Palinia and Pereira, they were both signed before the pre-season tournament uh, over in over in Portugal. So they've had time to bed them into the side. We haven't signed someone and then thrown them into the starting 11 three or four days later. You know, Le- Leno had two games, was it, when he wasn't playing and then, then he started his first game. So I think that's what Silva's done that maybe what Jukanovic and Parker didn't is that they're, they are, they're not just throwing new signings in and they are betting them into the side. And I think that's what's been very important. I think signing players in all different types of positions, where it's in goal, at the back, in midfield, out wide, up top, we are sort of covering all bases. And I think that's what a lot, that's what a lot of think people were saying last year. Was that there's not, we don't need too much, like we don't need like a, we don't need a Nottingham Forest or we don't know what we needed in the previous seasons where we need kind of like half a new team. I don't think that we just needed to sort of build a solid core, which we have done in the likes of Leno. We have done in Palina, Palina as well. So I think um, overall, you've got to be happy with our transfer window. And it's probably the most excited Fulham, Fulham fans have been after a transfer window for a, for a long time. Because for once, we're not caught adrift trying to catch up. We're actually in a good enough position where we can build on build on things. Maybe that's the maybe that's the kicker. If we have a yeah. deal sheet in, we're in trouble. If we don't, <laughs> then we know we've done things slightly earlier than we normally do, even albeit late. Um, I agree with you, it both, and, and I agree with you that we would have wanted them done earlier. Marcus Silva would have wanted them done earlier. He has spoke today to the press, and I think this is interesting because a lot of us uh, were wondering what he was going to say today, whether he was going to be, you know, happy or come out swinging and be like, I haven't got what I needed. But the signs are positive from from what Marco has been saying, which I think is massive. He says on the window, it was hard work for all of us. As I said last month, the market's really tough, even for clubs with big budget. We planned, we tried during the first two and last two and a half months. We're really pleased and happy with our work. We're pleased with the players we kept, the best platform to go ahead. We had some experience and quality, and he also gave a hat tip to the players that left, uh, Joe Bryan and Paolo Gazzaniga. He said they were really important players for us. Um, but I think the you know, the kicker that you know, he's added afterwards, AF, he says, 
All the players in our football club, they want to really be here. They came from top clubs. They wanted to embrace the challenge. And that's really important because they're settling really quickly. And that's what you want to hear. That's exactly what you want to hear. We've definitely seen in previous seasons where um, players have come in from maybe bigger clubs expecting to walk into the Fulham starting eleven and just automatically save us just from their presence in existing in our team, which is is not what he's bringing. He's bringing in a mentality that you're going to have to fight for your place, but you can only fight for your place when it's actually under threat. So I think by covering off every single position means that people are fighting for their place. We've seen at so many other promoted teams as well when players aren't fighting for their place. they Their performances do start to drop over the season. They get fatigue and they know that they don't have to be at their best level. I think the words from Marco himself saying that he's happy with the window and he's happy with the calibre of player that we've brought in. We've just got to trust in him now to actually deliver using this squad. We know that he's an absolute magician. So he now just has to put that into effect on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. And, and no doubt that he's going to do so. And um, he actually added something quite similar to what you just said, Dom, as well. He said as on his kind of integration policies that we have to integrate players slowly. First, we have to see quality, which is why they signed them in the first place. But it's tough to earn a spot in the 11 because we're in a good place. And and that's it, isn't it? It's, you know, we, we, we kind of com- compare it to, to Parker and Jukanovic, as you said. But it was probably easier for new players to come in and, and chuck them right in because Fulham started so badly. They were like, right, quick, we've got to change something immediately. But the fact that Fulham started well, I think is important to this because it allows you to bring players in at the pace that you want. And that's massive. Yeah, I think so. And I th- I just, it's just, it's, but it is just refreshing in general to see Fulham have a good start to a season. Because <laughs> <laughs> in the Premier League, at least. Yeah, yeah, but even, yeah, in the Premier League. But like even even times where we finished in like top half or we were, we were, we were on mid-table, we still have a terrible start to the season. Like I don't, I don't. What was the last yeah, time yeah. we had a good start to the season? Probably when we finished seventh or so, 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 something like that. I think it it's on. Your Europa Conference League is yeah, on. It's on. Exactly, mate. Exactly. <laughs> that annoyingly, the United, you know, pushes out that place last night. But no, I think it. Um, yeah, it's 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 been a massive help that we have had a good start. But I think you've got to give credit to Marco Silva for that because what's been the difference this time? Well, when he was in the championship, we won the league. When we, this time we've had a good start to the season, I think the difference that Marco Silva's professionalism and sort of the way he likes things being done has, has come across the season has been perfect and we've had that solid start to the season. Yes, we were still in a tough run of games going away to Spurs, or home to Chelsea, away to Forest but, you know, there's people are going into these games with confidence that we can actually get results whereas under Scott Park or Jukanovic, you had this sort of run of games at the start of the season. Oh, well, we might have a, we might have get our first win before before the international break if we're lucky. But um, you know, I think Marcus Silva's brought a completely different mindset to the club, and I think that's that's come across in the transfer window as well. Yeah, absolutely, and and obviously he's had a say with, with some of these players, or most of these players, you'd imagine, and players talking about how much he'd convinced them that this was a project that to, to believe in and to become part of is massive to hear. I think from from a fan's perspective, um, the 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 last gap, I suppose, AF, and we had to come onto it. That you know that we've we've done a lot of positivity. It's worth probably talking about the one thing that's on social that people are a little bit upset with is is the lack of a centre midfield option to replace Harrison Reed if anything was to happen. Now, Silva obviously trusts Nathaniel Chalaber, and I don't mind that whatsoever. Now, I know he had an absolutely dreadful game against Crawley. I know he's had some bad spells in this Fulham shirt, but Silva trusts him almost implicitly. Um, and he comes on in games, he comes on in big games. He's one of the few players we've used off the bench pretty much continuously through this through this term. Um, and I think that the fact that he seems to trust him there in the Polina role is something that we can, we'll can we have to get behind, right? Whether you like Nat Chalabar or not, it's something that the Silva does and, and that's where we're at right now. 
the lack of a replacement for Harrison Reed is a slight concern because the way that he plays is so high octane um, and he's not had a spotless injury record in SW6. Yeah, absolutely. I think I compared it on Twitter to building some really solid foundations to a house, knowing that you're going to get a really decent mansion built, you know, 11 bedrooms and everything. But unfortunately, you haven't actually got any insurance for it for one of the key areas, which is Harrison Reed. We've got, you know, as we said, Silver, we have to trust his judgment in um, Chalabur being a deputant for Paulinho, who's definitely going to get suspension in the next two or three games. We know that's coming. But for Harrison Reed, he must have seen a plan for this. And that's maybe we weren't able to, you know, be as active in the window in that particular position. If it's just one position, that's fair enough. But he must have seen a plan in going, he could maybe put Pereira there. He could, worst comes to worst, look at Tom Kearney in that role. And I say worst comes to worst. I love TC, but it's just the fact that in that role, he's going to get absolutely destroyed in the Premier League. I think my concern is really get destroyed. I just think that you, what Harrison Reed offers is completely different to what. Yeah, I think the system. Offers. I think the system in that midfield would have to change slightly if Harrison yeah. Reed was was to be out. I think the most likely option I'd see is to move Pereira back and have Kearney further forward, or, or you Bobby could even Reed in a ten. Yeah, you can even. Oh, but you can even have William playing a ten. He's, he's, he's done it. He's, he's done it before, and then you have I don't know Cabano and. It's the, uh, lack of a pre- it's the lack of a press, though. If you put yeah. either TC or William there, that, that that kind of takes away a little bit. Yeah, there's I, a reliance. But I think there's a reliance bit, on that role, right? There's a reliance in the centre centre midfield that we haven't had in previous seasons, where we've been able to say, "Oh, don't worry, we'll be on the front foot for most games." The way that those two actually have to work. That's why we're saying trying to shoehorn somebody back from a centre attacking mid position, or you know, even a right wing position to actually go into that centre midfield is a real risk to be taking. And at the minute, our deputant is Tari Francois. And no, it's not. I'm literally... afraid he's actually left. He's actually left. Oh, he As we've recorded okay. this podcast, he's gone to Croatia, which means we... it's Adrian Pajaziti, which I don't mind at all because he's been absolutely excellent for the unders. Cool. So um, we... But it's a risk. We haven't actually signed a replacement. We did let somebody go. It's just as bad as I thought. Forget everything I just said. <laughs> I mean, there is, Dom, the free agency market. Now, there's not been that much activity from Fulham in this market after the window. Um, we have dipped into free agency, obviously, to sign William, obviously, but it's not been something we've really executed on post-window before. That said, Checker is sitting there, 27-year-old central midfielder who was at Lille last, very, very good footballer, lovely pass for the ball, um, has that kind of energy to get around in the midfield roles, Portuguese. I do wonder if Fulham are having a little sniff around that because it would be the thing that makes the most sense for this squad. Because right now, at my count, we're at 24. Yeah, I so said it's it's the only one if you look at the free agents list that probably makes sense. But I was looking, I was looking through it the last few days, and there's not really too many players on there. They were like, oh, Fulham, you could see Fulham going over them. But I said it's not apart from apart from Willian, obviously, it's not really been a huge market we've ever, we've ever delved into. But there's no reason why. We won't. We won't now. We've seen a lot of changes under Marco Silva. So, if we were to sign anyone for Asian market, yes, I'd say we'd probably go go there. But I said it's Marco. Marco. We haven't. But the thing is, frankly, most of the transfer window, we weren't linked with too many eights anyway. We were linked yeah. with midfielders. They were usually more attacking minded. So I don't know whether Marco Silva has some sort of different plan he's going to use, or he just doesn't. It didn't seem like he needed one. But yeah, I said if, if you're looking at free agent, free agent list, that would probably be the only one you'd be looking at. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think, lads, we will call it there. We said we'd keep this short and sweet around the 45 minute mark. I think that's a perfect place to leave this bonus Fulhamish pod, which means that's all that's left for me to do is to say thank you very much to Adam Farkas and thanks AF. 
Cheers, Bo. Thanks. Thanks very much to Dominic Betts. No worries, mate. I've been Jack Collins. This has been the Fulhamish Podcast. Looking back at a busy deadline day at Craven Cottage. Four through the door. Will the foursome be enough to keep Fulham in the Premier League? We bloody hope so. You whites. Right.